Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, good, Jason. I want to ask you about one of your guys. So let's get to James Harden here. What uh, do you have any thoughts about him in the season, him slacking off, getting fat, like sort of how he handled his trade and his prospects for the future? And then also the Ben Simmons side of it. I have, I have some people I converse with who try to point me out how like, you know, you know, James Hart, as talented as he is, and he's a future Hall of Famer and NBA top 75, he's like, you know, unprofessional and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not denying that. What I'm saying is like, why do you care? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, 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 because we ask so many things from like athletes. We want them to be like, you know, like, like look at, look at Chris Paul. Who we both don't like for a litany of reasons but you know he is like this poster child of like professionalism like apparently he was disheveled in okc but he's gonna tough it out good like i'm, I'm like we'll never know if tim duncan was ever like not happy any point during san antonio or dirk in um in dallas we know kobe wanted to he threatened to leave at one time he gets a pass on that but what i'm trying to say is like people like you know, people talk about professionalism and loyalty and we celebrate all this. And and my whole thing is like, yes, it's good that these, these certain players do exist that have these traits. Like that, that's, that's a good thing. But also it's not a bad thing that we have a player like James Harden who gets fat, asks for like three different trades in three years. Like, like, what is that? Why does that, why is that annoying <laughs> to your fandom is what I want to know. And, and, and I'm, I'm separating myself as a James Harden fan. Like I would, I would say this about anybody, any player who's, you know, wanted to leave. I'll say this about Scotty, why he decided to like, you know, leave his surgery till like late in the, like, why do you care is, is my big point. Why, why are we obsessing over this? Um, so my whole thing is, is, you want to celebrate professionalism? Great. You have many shining examples of players who are, you know, spew loyalty and spew professionalism. You have more than enough to pick from. Cherish those people who you hold in high regard. And, you know, and the James Harden of the world, you want to dunk on them? Go right ahead, man. But guess what? If you know anything about James Harden, he seems like the kind of guy that does not care. Um, he seems disinterested during uh, <laughs> interviews yeah the, 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 I, I just heard his philadelphia interview where he was pretty much asked best like can you can you account for your behavior over the last couple of years and he's just like this is where i was wanting to be i'm happy to be a 76 today and i'm happy to be with joel Embiid. and and another thing that i heard was that james harden is not going to have anyone to induct him into the hall of fame which is the most laughable thing ever, because if we know anything about NBA beefs is like, these guys are such a fraternity and brotherhood. Like they're beefing one year and then like five years after their retirement, they're all playing golf together. Like you're, you're telling me that James Harden's going to have no friends, you know, post NBA career. They were former teammates. Like, please give me. You might ask Daryl Moore to induct him into the hall of fame. Which would be awesome. First of all, because that's that's a real friendship, and I can actually and 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 that and that should be celebrated. 
James Harden clearly has a guy that he can find in that he trusts. And, you know, Daryl Morey did not work out in Houston. He went to Philly. They apparently tried to make it happen. Brooklyn came in at the last minute. And maybe James Harden been looking for a way to get back to Philly ever since. But, like, yeah. you're asking me to, like, hey, Ryan, can you defend James Harden getting fat and maybe slacking off and maybe demanding <laughs> trades and being unprofessional? It's like, nope. But you're asking me to, you're asking me to care? I don't. I, I don't at all. Yeah. Like, are we in the player empowerment movement or are we not? Like, let these guys do what they want. You have plenty of role models, you know, um, if you choose to have your athletes as role models. You have plenty of shiny examples of guys who are doing it the right way that it shouldn't deter your fandom to pick on very, very few that are doing what James Harden's doing. And same thing with Ben Simmons, man. Like, I had no issue with what that guy did. He wanted out. Every time he they, they put a microphone to him or a representative, he said he wanted out. He, like, like you know, terrible how that situation was, was handled. So it's like Philly... And Brooklyn, or it's like I'll trade my cancer for your cancer, and <laughs> and I like I love seeing that in sports. I love big trades. I like shaking things up. Like this is good for the game, in my opinion. And guess what? Both teams are like probably better off as a result. Ben Simmons gets the fresh start, which he probably deserves, and I see the redemption story in him. And James Harden, what I've seen with him with Brooklyn when he does play, he's comment he he just commented like he didn't like how like he think they should have ran more ISO, surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> but he um but he uh you know he clearly you know he's averaging ten assists a game, he's almost averaging a triple double. Yeah, his points are down, he's not that um scoring first, you know, automatic bucket or automatic going to the free throw line that he used to be. Um but he's, you know, I, I to me, I think James Harden's growing as a basketball player because he was able to make that transition to Brooklyn, yeah. and I see him making that transition in Philly, and then, uh, and then you might get a redemption story with with Ben Simmons, which um, who doesn't want to see that either? Like he's he's a young kid, man. He's like what twenty six. I think that James handling things. Um, I was amused. I wasn't, I mean, I don't get offended by any of this stuff. I think it was just really funny how he didn't want to like come out and say, Hey, he was, cause you know, I read the story. I don't know if I sent you the link. Like he was just telling Sean Marks and Steve Nash. Yeah. Um, like we're good. I'll tell you if there's an issue, there's no issue. Don't worry about the rumors. Right. And he just kept saying that and saying that until like the day before the trade deadline, actually, if you can get me to Philly, that's actually where I'd like to be. It's like, well, you know, it might have helped if you told us several months ago. That would have been better. And so, and all stuff with um, Ben Simmons. Um, oh, and just the stories about James. You could see his face whenever he talked about Kyrie. It was just really funny to watch. It's like, you yeah. know, when you have like three friends where like the one guy is the friend of two guys and the two guys, they hang out because they're friends with the one guy. Yeah, and I've yeah, been that yeah, guy yeah. before. But then, like, as time would go on, my one friend would say, you know, I don't feel that close to the other guy. But it's like, it's more like we're both friends with you. And they would both say that to me. And um, and I'm like, oh, okay. And so it's like, after I leave the country, then, you know, they sort of talk and not really. So it's just really funny. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. It's really funny. Um, it is. It and is. Then, it's amusing. You said it perfectly. It's amusing. Absolutely. And then you, you think with Ben Simmons, like, I don't. 
I, I kind of, I, I never agreed with Daryl Morey taking all the shit from the media. Oh, you got to trade him. You got to trade him for a bag of chips. Like, no, I don't. I don't have to trade him. I'm not going to trade him. He's an MVP. He's a number one pick. You want to, we will trade him when I get what I want, but I'm not going to start that thing where a team takes an MVP type player like Anthony Davis or Carmelo Anthony or whoever, and they just start trading down and down and down and down. And then you, all of a sudden you get nothing. No, I'm getting an MVP quality type player. I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait and it's going to happen. And then he did it and everyone else can just shut up about it. And so then um, yeah. that's, that's one thing with that said, that's not to say that he didn't completely mismanage the whole situation with Ben Simmons. Like it's a bit funny that, Ben was like not picking up any phone calls or not replying to text messages and then being like, well, they could have found me in LA at the gym. And so like, if you are the GM, just suck it up and go follow. And Doc Rivers, really, that's his job. It's his job. Like, I, I don't think that sending him out of practice like he's a 14-year-old on the JV team was was the way to do it. It's fine that Ben is handling things. I just think that a different coach, be it Nick Nurse, be it Eric Spolstra, be it Greg Popovich, they would have all figured out how to handle that situation. Like, remember LaMarcus Aldridge wanted a trade. He went over to talk to Pop. Pop said, well, I mean, Pop actually had a heart-to-heart, and then they figured it out, and they continued to play. And then LaMarcus actually did better the following season, right? I don't, so, I don't, I don't, I don't, give, I don't give Nick Nurse that level of confidence. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. I, I've, seen, uh, I've seen too many. I've seen, like, he, he's had issues with Pascal. There was like two rookies like a year ago who like he just completely threw under the bus in the media. It's like like don't you if great if Popovich did that, I'd be like okay, you're great Popovich. You're you're bigger than the team you're on. You're who who the hell's Nick Nurse? Like, like, <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. Honestly, but, but a couple of rookies though. Yeah, that's okay. I think it's just the stature. You got to recognize the stature of the player. I, I honestly, I don't. I don't think it was rookies. I think I forget which players it was, but he threw them under the bus during a press conference. And I know which one you're, I, I know off which as, you're talking about. Yeah, it, it just came off as like, "Hey, look, everyone. My name's Nick Nurse, and I'm now a championship-winning coach, and this is the way I run my team. So you know, make sure you catch the sound bite. Like it just seemed like, I, I, I'm. I've I've learned to like separate what Nick Nurse says. I don't think he's a man of much substance. I kind of give him credit as a coach. I honestly I don't I don't I don't think he's a good interview. Um, I, I don't like his appearance. I um, a lot bo- <laughs> a lot bothers me about him. Um, he strikes me as the guy that tells the team to run twenty suicide drills, and you know he's you know he's got a catch wind when he runs down the ice cream man for like an ice cream sandwich. So I don't have much respect for him with that, but you're, you're right. I, what doc rivers did um, is something that I can't see like Popovich do, but I think there's, and it's a shame because, you know, doc rivers has been doing this for a long time, man. It's like, is this the first player you've had that like kind of secretly wanted to trade and like, you have to kick him on a practice, like, you know, and he's a former player, like not an elite player, but he's been on elite teams and been around elite players. Like, yeah, that was actually pretty shocking that they thought they could make it work by bringing Ben Simmons into practice. Never understood that. This guy's giving you nothing but indications. He does not want to be part of this team. And what you do with a player like that, 
in 2022 is different than when you would have done in 1996. You would have been like, if he's not part of this team, then he's in breach of contract. And we're going to like, I'm sorry. Those, those days are gone. Players have too much power. Oh no. I, I, I agree with that to a degree. I'm so, saying you got to so do both. Player... You got to do really? both. You got to, you, you, what you got to do is, both. so you, you can't like, because, well, that's the contract, right? Like, but that's, that's part of it. It's part of it. It's both in both hands. So the thing is, ideally, what they should have done was they should have actually managed the relationship to begin with. So it didn't get to that point. But if they, cause I don't know that they, they did everything that they really should have in terms of managing relationship. But if Ben is deciding to take it, pull a Shawn Michaels and just take his ball and go home, then the team, like it was right for them to just find and find and find because whatever, like how much heat did they really get for finding? Nobody talked about that. All that we did get to see was, how much Ben really did want to not ever be back in a Philly uniform again. The fact that he was willing to just torch $20 million. So that's fine. You got to do that. You got to set a precedent because it's not just about Ben Simmons. It's about the whole league and whole team and everything. But um, I'm just saying that before it got to that point, you'd have to manage, you manage the relationship, even if you don't want to. And even if, even if you're in the right and Ben's in the wrong, this is part of talent management. But Ben taking the ball and go home. You say, look, we're, we're accommodating you. We're talking to you. If they think that's what they're doing, which I don't think those two guys were, but if they, once they get to that point, then yeah, you start finding them and you just do that and you stay away from the team. You're, you're detrimental to the team and you stay away. But yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I'm over that, man. Like, 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 so I don't know if you, you probably don't remember this, but I, and he just won the world series, Alex Anthopoulos with, with the Atlanta Braves. Um, and when he was GM of the Jays, I don't know if you remember, but, we had a manager named John Farrell, who <laughs> he basically was, he was the Boston Red Sox pitching coach. And then he became a head coach with the Jays. But then the Boston Red Sox coaching job became available. He asked to leave. He went up to the GM, Allison Thopolis, and he asked to leave. He goes, listen, it's been a dream of mine to coach the Boston Red Sox. Um, I'm sorry, my dream is not to be the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. What can you do? And he just like, so the Jays actually were able to trade for the manager for some draft picks, I believe. They are actually sure. able to like, you know, they, they did. And, and there's no way they got value out of that. Well, the value they did get, in my opinion, what the Jays got was just being a good steward of like, this guy doesn't want to be here. We don't want to be the team or the franchise or the organization that's going to be like, nope, you have a contract, you're in breach. Alex Thompson said, fuck that noise. And you know what? He got roasted for that. I remember being on primetime with Bob McCowan, and he, Bob McCowan goes, um, Bob McCowan goes, Alex, I don't think you did a very good job with John Farrell. And he goes, well, I don't know what you would have wanted me to do. And and Bob McCowan said something else, like, like, be, um, be, be be accountable and authoritative and and uh, 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 and be a a team of substance it's just i'm butchering it but he said something more along those lines and alex anthopoulos was like agree to disagree and you know what alex anthopoulos in my opinion had, had, the, had the right mentality it's just like you don't want to be here there's going to be other coaches that want to come along and like I think you do better service to your organization to avoid that dog and pony show. Oh, but you're missing and, the and, point. And no, no, no okay, like, let, 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 me, let me just finish my point. No, no, just, 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 just hear me. Yeah, but 
Daryl Moore, I think, missed a window when this first happened. My well, whole no, thing is like James Harden. He said, "We're going to trade you. We're going to trade you on our terms. Just back, show up, keep your value up. Blah 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 blah." But then they could have also managed the relationship better with Ben. And you say, look, you're not helping a, us with a trade. That's a chess move. What you're describing is a chess move that rarely works out. Like, basically, like, more teams would be better to do what Alex Anthopoulos, which is just cash out right away. Good on Daryl Morey. That's why he's, like, an outside the box. He's fucking Sloan Sports, whatever the fuck he did before. Like, he's he's not an NBA guy. He thinks differently. That Good for him. But I'm just saying, that's, that's to me, what Daryl Morey did is the exception. The rule should be that you just accommodate the player because – Avoid the noise. You, I'd rather be the franchise that's just like, if you don't want to be here, you don't want to be here. And so be it. If like, even if it means that you're going to be the Sacramento Kings, um, which evidently a player who actually want to say in Sacramento got traded. But <laughs> to, to, to me, it's like player, coach, someone doesn't want to be there. Just do it quietly. Get them out. Because at the end of the day, someone else will fill the void. And you might not get value for that person. In the end, you might get hosed. It's you, you might lose on that deal. But I'd still rather be the organization that like, hey, man, no hard feelings. I think that, to me, is, is, is the better situation. As you mentioned, what Daryl Morey did was great. He got hardened. But that's a, that's a one in 10 move, man, in my opinion. Well, it's only a one in 10 move because more GMs don't have the support of ownership to do stuff like that. And they just don't have the balls to do stuff like that. The closest thing I, I don't think saw, they have a skill. I, I think it's a talent. I, I think and true, talent. maybe I they think, don't have the I, skill of they don't have the talent. They don't stuff. have the talent. But no. But the but like what the closest we saw was Gail Benson there in New Orleans when Anthony Davis was like, hey, I want to trade. I'm going to get a trade, right? And then Gail Benson's like, whoa, 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 how do you do this in the NBA? Because in the NFL, we just tell the players what to do and then they do it. I don't understand. And then they just had a stalemate and stalemate. And then David Griffin, the only thing he ever done as a GM was actually get a good trade for anthony davis well i don't know was it a good trade it was in theory a good trade in theory it would have been a good trade but it hasn't really worked out but but like as, as it turns out the cinema was great like we got the blockbuster deal and you know if daryl Morey deserves credit for you know sticking to his guns and maybe he thought this was going to work out this way but yeah, again, you're you're talking about chess players who made a chess move that I just don't think is um, just not the norm. Maury made a made a chess move in a chess game that very few can pull off, and like we're we're talking about it because it was a blockbuster deal that it was. But I think as a rule, like if a player like James Harden wants to be traded every year, then like fucking just do it. Like again, we're gonna have. But players like James Harden, I think, are still going to be the minority. You're going to get more rank and file players who are going to honor their contract. Wait, you know, be be the loyal type. But, but what you just said was it's more validation for the Mori the Mori hypothesis, which is if there's a star player that's going to become disgruntled every year, all you got to do, and you have one that's already disgruntled, all you need to really do is just wait long enough, and then you'll have have your star guy ready to trade. Again, that takes you're you're asking. You're asking executives to, you know, play that like like he, he had to he he was answering the media all year and, you know he he was, I think he's built for that. Well, yeah, you're um, right. He's confrontational. Like you remember that quote? Yeah. We're ready to be uncomfortable for the next four yeah. years, which which is also he, posturing because no, like 
you're right. If this went on another year and a half, like they would have traded him for a bag of chips. They're like, not going to just do this for four years. I wouldn't agree. They got there. It, it was a gamble that paid off because James Harden became available. I mean, who knows what would have happened? Maybe in a different, you know, different circumstance, like it wouldn't have happened. They'd be stuck with Ben for the rest of the year. Something else would have happened in the summer. Who knows? But, but he, he gambled just like, like all the trades are gambles. Like even if he traded him for CJ in the September, it would have been a gamble yeah. that no one else is going to become available. Imagine if he trades him in September for CJ and a few, whatever from Portland. And then by the time you get to trade deadline, James Harden's like, I want out. And then Portland trades Ben Simmons to, um, to Brooklyn for James Harden or something like that. You know, just like there's a gamble that you're, you're gambling the unknown, you're gambling the known. Right. You're based on whatever you you're gambling based on what you can see in front of you and what what may or may not happen in the future besides the past. So like the point I'm making is that you have to have some parts carrot, some parts stick. You gotta manage the talent so it doesn't even get to that point. But when it gets to that point, yeah, like it's 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 not the end of the world that they were fine. Like how much blowback were they getting for finding their players like, oh, I never play for the Sixers because if I ever wanna sit out and not play a game. I don't deserve to be fined. Like Ben's going to try and get some of that money back in arbitration or whatever the legal recourse is. But the fact is that also the Sixers and the NBA were watching the situation because like other teams, other teams weren't going to want to see this. So also the Sixers and their finding was a way that they were going to be able to manage the situation as the other teams and GMs and owners were seeing it. Because if they didn't, David, like Adam Silver and all them were going to have to talk, Hey, like, do we need to restructure the CBA just to prevent such a situation? Whereas like, at least right now it looks like, cause there's other stakeholders besides just the players. So it's like, okay, well it looks like due court, like it was managed. You, the, the owners were not paying for a player to just walk and not come back into play. You know what I mean? Like there's other things that have to be managed too, besides just player empowerment, player empowerment. You actually are answering the question, I think, cause maybe it's a, like that I was about to ask, which is, is it good for the game? Because, you have like, you know, if you're a Sixers fan and if you're a Rockets fan and now a Nets fan, like you had the one guy who decided he was not going to like it. He got fat. Like if this was the Toronto Raptors, um, I don't know. I think a lot of Raptors fans would have been like, hey, I really don't respect that. Like Dragic has been, how, what's the reception been for Dragic in Toronto? Has it been positive, negative, neutral? Do people not give a it's, care? Or? It's, it's, been, it's been negative. Like you're asking the wrong guy because like I – have you no don't problem care. calling I, I'm, I have no problem calling Raptors fans like fickle and <laughs> immature and just okay. you know, de- delusional like they're like like we're, we're the 2019 world champions why wouldn't you want to play in Toronto Gordon Dragic, uh, Dragic right so it's, it's <laughs> you're so you're asking the wrong guy no it's he's been you know he's been he's been vilified of course and um don't care and it was Andre Iguodala in Memphis do you remember that when he sat out he was getting vilified yeah. by Memphis and the media, and also even some of the old Memphis players, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, there is, it doesn't, I don't know. Um, it's a bit comical. I was definitely interested in the whole mechanics of all this. It's really intriguing because there's such big name players too, and big like destination markets like Philadelphia, Boston. It's not like Utah, Sacramento. I keep shitting on those two cities because that's the first two I could think about. Um, East uh, Atlantic Division. It'd be really interesting to see all this. In terms of basketball fit, I think it worked out for both players and both teams. 
I think that Brooklyn got the better end of it. I think the Sixers are going to miss Seth Curry, who I think is actually really good, like for the role he's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I do think it's, it's happening a little slower than what I thought, because I would have thought that like, you know, KD hopping around and now with James Harden and, you know, um, Ben ostensibly asking for a trade. Um, I really like, I'm really waiting for the day for like NBA fans, which I consider like I have one toe in one toe out because I consider myself a sports fan and pro athlete. So, um, and as such, you know, these, um, again, these complimentary traits of loyalty and professionalism, they, they don't really stick to me because I look at myself, the guy who's had like 20 part-time jobs, like I'm not loyal at all. Like I will, I have no problem leaving a company year after year and doing what's best for my family. And I think that, you know, fans should have that same appreciation for players who are just looking to, if they choose to, to, to do that. Um, so it is, it, it's happening a little slower than what I thought because you do get a lot of people that, yeah, really get bent out of shape when like a player comes to a city and, you know, they maybe don't want to be there and, you know, they're willing to go to a team that's got a worse record and has no prospect of being competitive in the next few years. And they're like, why? Um, I don't, yeah, I, I guess. Um, and it's not like the NBA is, like the NBA is skewing young, but I feel like the crowd that listens to the TNT crew it listens to like all the, t- even someone like Stephen A. Smith, I don't see him like really vilifying players for wanting out. Um, he's actually been, um, we can talk about him some other time. He's actually been like a breath of fresh air in the stance that he's, he's taken. Maybe he's evolving or it just, you know, he's just a $12 million man. That's going to like one year he'll be heel one year. He'll be baby face. You know what I mean? Like that's Stephen. I think Stephen A. Smith is playing chess at times too. But what, I, what I'm trying to say is that, um, I do think that day is coming that these guys will be just treated as like work professionals and wherever they choose to play is just where they play. And like, you know, their loyalty and their, you know, their affiliation with the city and the town and the ownership group is, you know, it, maybe it's there. Maybe you will get a DeMar DeRozan who does want to be in Toronto and never leave. That's great. But then, you know, you'll also get the guys that are, year over year or every two years seemingly going to a new city and that's just like they're just a journeyman player an elite journeyman player and we just learned to accept that um, so here's yeah i mean i i know that's probably the direction we're going but i guess what i mean by good for the game or not is the seasons around like 20 the basically the heatles era like i think that might have been the last time i felt it felt like basketball in the regular season was memorable and engaging where people can remember multiple teams doing well like now it's sort of feeling it's just happening in this blur like guys changing uniforms so quickly that i can't even remember like different playoff games i think i might have sent you a clip and i think this is part of contributes to it too like you just become a little less engaged as a fan so i think that's part of it that does that does matter not even like the homer like cater to the homers but just the idea of, you know, it used to be when players, high school players would have to go to college and they might do like Jordan was three years in North Carolina, right? Not four, three. And then he left, right? At least two for sure. I can't remember now, but 
a lot of these guys made their names in their college teams. And then now it's at a point where, you know, one and done, one and done, and there's no real affiliation. And so you didn't even have that chance for households around America to develop an affinity for players or their, 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 their lineage. And so then the contract's getting shorter, players wanting out. Um, it does, it does an impact, I think, um, like it, it sort of does have an impact, I think, on how the relationship between fans and, and, the, and the league, let's just say the league. We're in the player empowerment era where guys have more autonomy over where they go, who they want to play with, et cetera. There's obviously like this weird collusion that happens whenever they hook up in the off season. Um, so yeah, fans do suffer because, you know, the guy that buys, the guy that buys his Kobe Bryant jersey in like 1997, like that jersey is like, it means something like, especially now that he's gone, but like say if he was still alive, that jersey means something in like 2022. You know, a Shaquille O'Neal, I don't know, a Shaquille O'Neal Phoenix Suns jersey, doesn't mean shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So the, 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 the point is, is that, yes, there is, there is a, there is a cost benefit to the player empowerment era but with me it's very easy to be like listen i i get it like i if if i were a diehard fanboy um you know loyalist of said player said team i might get butt hurt but like these guys are just making money man and every cba that comes up like they're still making more or less the same and you know that's the trade-off unfortunately we haven't gotten to that that position where um, you know, where, where, where it's more of the, what the fans want to see and who knows what the fans want to see, to be quite honest, because I consider myself a fan and I don't mind this like parody and turnover at times. Like I do as much as I like seeing dynasties and greatness. I also do like seeing the, the big blockbuster trades and I don't mind like, a couple of elite players moving place to place every year, right. but that is the trade-off. The trade-off is these guys are making more money. These guys are making like you know, way more than the Barclays and the Shacks and, and the MJs made in their prime. And um, well, they're going to make the money anyway. This was, these were two players who already signed their contracts. And then after they signed the contracts, they're saying, hey, I actually want to trade. I actually want to not play here. I'm actually not going to show up in uniform. You know, they were always going to make their money. Yes, you're right, because they were all max players. Um, well, I mean, right, no, like, they, what I meant was they had already signed their, they were like in year one of their contract. The Harden was a bit later. Like they were asking for trades, even though, like, or they were not even just asking for trades. They were trying to, they're basically sabotaging somewhat, they're kind of sabotaging their teams, really. Like, I think that's which, where we start talking about, right? Which, like, which all should the, tell you, which should tell you a lot which should tell you that they've made so much money and the promise of more money is in the next three to four years that they just really want to be in a, in a good work environment like that. that but that no, I mean, you I think you're missing, you're missing what I'm saying, which was, I think okay. the, the next possible thing that might happen, what Kendrick Perkins was worried about was okay. what by Ben trying to sit out, it opens up the possibility that the NBA starts to veer away from guaranteed contracts, which was, Really great. I like the idea that these players who put their bodies on the line to get guaranteed contracts. Yeah. Well, that, that, the players, that's, that's not when you say it's impossible, like every single CBA, the players always seem to lose a little bit more power. Like, 
but but you you still have you still have a guaranteed contract which the which the NFL is is year after year gaining more and more in that it's it's just in, in, impossible. You, ooh, now you're giving me a scenario to think about. Like, what, is because it going to no, come to when a when you date? say impossible? Think about this though. We went from like six and seven year contracts down to four and five, and then also like the now the cat now the annual numbers do go up because the revenue goes up, but they're, 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 what they were doing was they were capping like how long contracts were. What might start to happen is they don't want to see another situation where a player, he decides, I'm just not going to not play because I don't want to. And then he's like, it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm getting my money anyway, kind of like WCW. And then the worst case scenario, like Perk is worried about is all the other players who played before, there are so many who always demanded trades, who worked behind the scenes. Carmelo wanted a trade for like a whole year. Dwight wanted a trade. But they still kept playing, and it was like that. That's the that's the concern the perk has is that if you decide to stay home, at some point an owner's going to say we're not paying you now, which is what the Sixers started doing with the fines. But if they decide to start writing it into the agreements and start figuring out a way to 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 start chipping away at guaranteed money, that's that becomes a slippery slope because then what's the next move after that? After players get normalized, to that you know what I mean? So there's there's unintended consequences you got to think about. That's what he's getting at. Because yeah, like, it's but, not okay. about Ben Simmons who's going to get his money. It's about the next guys who are like the mid card guys and the lower card. Yeah, guys. but that, that's still that's that's still a straw man argument because we haven't seen this play out in a long time. Like, well, who's the last Ben Simmons to do Ben Simmons things? Yeah, no, we haven't. But th- this so 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 I don't see that. <laughs> yeah, it 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 does start with just one. But most the thing about Ben Simmons and the thing about James Harden is like James Harden. Uh, to a man, I do think he's looking for the best opportunity to win. I, I do take him at that. I think he knows enough about basketball to know that maybe Brooklyn just wasn't good enough and he just didn't see himself winning because he was part of the team last yeah. year when. I agree. And, and, and Ben Simmons, like, that's that's really an anomaly. Like, he got so jaded and he lost his confidence and then he sits out. Like, when have we ever seen that? And we'll see that again. So, like, listen, Perkins is going to say something that's, that he feels that he's afraid to see an unintended consequence. You're right, it does start with one. But AFC has a straw man argument, the, the Ben Simmons thing. I see that as such um, a weird outlier. If we do the same thing in two years and then a year after that, okay, then I'm starting to get concerned. But um, yeah, fair enough. I think for the most part, NBA, I think for the most part, NBA play, you saw with the announcement of the 75 greatest players. You saw how like some people felt like uh, Dwight Howard didn't say anything, but people were speaking on behalf of him. These guys, at the end of the day, great players, the elite, the elite players, the real needle movers of the league. They do want to win, and they're going to do more things to be on the court um, than not to, than to sit out. They're 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 going to do less of Shawn Michaels losing a smile and Steve Austin going home, and less of the WCW thing where Kevin Ash doesn't show up for like a month. No, they're going to do more of what like DDP and Booker T did was like, we have guaranteed contracts, but now that WWE just bought WCW, fuck that. We want to be part of WrestleMania. We want to work with the WWF guys because for years we were considered like they're equal. Now we want to work with you guys. I think more NBA players are of that mentality. The uh, in terms of wanting to win one one point, then I'll come back to the to the Maury and Harden in a second. Is small point about guys wanting to win. I applaud Jeremy Grant. I like the fact that that guy's like, I just want to like get a lot of shots because I'll make more money when I do that, and I don't really care <laughs> if I go to a winner because all I want to do is 
look like a guy who should get higher money because as long as you're making a lot of shots, you're going to probably get paid by somebody. He's like, fuck it. I'll play for San Antonio for San Antonio. I'll play for uh, Houston. Just yeah. give me the ball. I want to get paid. And then when he's like having a long career like this and then people are like, hmm, maybe he's actually really good. And then he's like 32. They'll be like, Hey, maybe you should be a role player on a championship team. You've already earned your money. Go get your ring. So smart, smart professional. That's how you do that. Um, sure. Daryl Morey, James Harden, match me in heaven. Love those guys. Like I just, it's really interesting. I mean, they're probably tampering the entire year. That's probably how you got yep. to this point. What do you think? Yep. Here's a, here's two parter. Number one, what are the chances this time next year, the head coach is Mike D'Antoni? <laughs> oh, <the Sixers> <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine? He's uh, available. He's an assistant on Brooklyn. Right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, wait a minute. Wouldn't that be Brooklyn. something? I, I thought he's no longer the assistant in Brooklyn. I thought he left last year. Seriously? Oh. He was he was Steve Nash's number two. I felt like he was gone at the beginning of the year. Um oh sorry, you're right. He's um he is a, a coaching advisor for the New Orleans Pelicans. Ah. Yeah. When did he yeah. when did he head to the Pelicans? He oh, was playing right, right? Is that one man? Okay, he did one on. season at the Nets. He stepped down at the end of in after 2021 season. So since August, he's been man. The cards are there. Maury's been tampering with everyone. He basically told him, Mike D, I'm gonna set it up. Don't worry, just get yourself out of Brooklyn. Mike D'Antoni, yeah. coaching advisor, in New Orleans for a year in the backwater. He gets um, he gets James Harden in Philly. Next year he pulls in Mike D'Antoni. This is like the assemblance of like, like when did they bring back what the, the black and white NWO black and white back when Bret Hart was uh, he joined like just week after week after week Russo's version of the black and white. Um, yeah, with Jeff Jarrett, with Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner and Bret Hart. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes it makes complete sense. And, and, and knowing <laughs> and knowing Mike D'Antoni, he probably. He probably left Brooklyn on an, on an airplane. He seems to do his best work on an airplane. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, it's true. And then if he's back in Philly, imagine the conversation he's got to have with with Sean Marks, who I think played under him. I think so. And and Steve yeah. Nash and Amari, if Amari's still there. And then he's like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then I was like, hey, what's going on? I can't remember. This is all WWE. So then, then you're. It's, 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 actually, it's, actually, it's actually not a bad move. You know, you have Doc, who you know is like going to give you a couple years, and you know, for whatever reason, people just tune them out. I actually think I'm like that in my workplace. I think people, like, <laughs> I think I'm good for like the first year, and people are really excited, and then I just I lose the room. So I actually have a lot of sympathy for I actually have a lot of sympathy for Doc. So it makes it makes sense that Mike D'Antoni would be his assistant because you know it, it's perfect, right? Because if you're Daryl Moore, you have you you have a you have a guy, the jazz player, you know, as your assistant. Then of like things don't work out with Doc. Uh, if they don't win the championship this year, but maybe they make it far, and then you know there's a tough stretch in the middle of the season next year where, whatever they're like they lose six in a row or some shit like that, and it's like it's perfect. You get rid of Doc, and you got Mike D'Antoni there. So yeah, I mean, you know, Daryl Moore and Mike. What can you say? So yeah. it's. Really interesting, right? Tillman Fertitta pays 
about two billion, two point one billion dollars for those Houston Rockets. A lot of it debt because he's not like a super billionaire. He's like a kind of a normal billionaire, and yeah. then he's <clears throat> mostly debt. And then within buying the team, within a couple of years, he loses Russell Westbrook, or he loses Chris Paul, then Russell Westbrook, then Mike D'Antoni, then Daryl Morey, then Daryl Morey, and then James Harden. Before all that happens, he loses his China money because Daryl Morey tweets about Hong Kong. So then the Rockets games are all banned in China. Even the Rockets were one of the more popular teams in that country because of Yao Ming. Yeah, and um, and that and now he he's just sitting there with this losing team. But then there's the pandemic. So then his other businesses, which are restaurants and casinos, they all have to close because of the pandemic. Man, bad luck for that guy. But、uh, yeah, couldn't have been to a nicer guy.